I'm always trying to double our money. For instance, if I buy a property for $50,000, my projected resale price should be $100,000. Does that mean we actually double our money when it's all said and done? No, generally, but that's kind of like the minimum criteria that I set for trying to determine if I want to do a deal for money. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. Heather, it's so great to be here once again. How are you doing today? Good. I always have that look on my face because you always, yeah, like, you, no, you clap. Okay. And it like shocks me oh, when yeah, I know I, it's coming. I clap you know? so, you know, the editors can sync up all this footage. Uh, We've got three different cameras here and separate audio. So, But I probably always have this look on my face. <laughs> Today's a great subject. Yeah, uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about how to determine if a property is a deal or not. You know, like I was saying, well, deal or no deal. But then you're like, well, is that copyrighted? Uh, so we, I still think probably, of those things. Yes, yeah. you're smart. Uh, so we're just pretty much trying to determine like we're, we're going to be talking about how to determine if a property is an actual deal. Should you be buying that deal? Is it a deal? Should and, you be going forward with it and, and making money with it, hopefully? Right. And the reason behind us having this discussion is that's the number one. People are always like, okay, I want to do this. This sounds great. And you're like, okay, why haven't you done it? Like, I don't know if I'll be able to know if it's a deal or not. Yeah. Legit question. I mean, and that's, I think, something everyone thinks of. Like, wouldn't you say that was the first, your only concern to, or, Yeah. You know? Like, if you were, if you were 100% confident that something was a deal, mm-hmm. you'd have no problem going forward with it. Right. You know, there's never that 100% confidence in this business. I mean, there's always some gray area. You never know what's exactly going to happen. But that's why there's so much money potential because there's not. Like if it's a cookie cutter, like remember in the old days of eBay where you would be able to say like, oh, this same exact cup sold for, you know, then there's no question. Right. I use cup because you have a cup there. Yes. There we go. So that's kind of where the magic is in the sense that you that that's available, which is also the worst part, but it's also the best part. That's right. I mean, we're going to be talking about how we kind of systematize this today, the exact process that I go through when determining if it's a deal or not. And it's been really successful for us. And I I definitely recommend you put a process in place and some criteria in place to determine if it's a deal or not. And that'll give you confidence in going forward and hopefully allow you to pass on some of those questionable type deals. Right. And and again, refer back to what we call that. Is it investing or is it gambling? Yes. And that's just that if you have those like hard, fast rules, it makes everything easier. You ask yourself, okay, is this an investment or is this a gamble? And maybe you want to gamble. That's cool. But at least do an educated gamble. Yeah, that's right. You know, like the speculating part of things. Mm-hmm. Maybe you maybe you devote a certain amount of your capital just to speculation. 20% like, to, ca- hey, yeah. this is a flyer, you know, like, mm-hmm. like the people that invested in crypto. Maybe they, you know, a lot of them went into that thinking, hey, I don't know if this is going to pan out or not, but if I put 10% of my you know, my investable capital into that and it takes off, then I'll be doing fine. If I lose it all, it's not the end of the world. That's, so. <laughs> and I think that is so smart, though, because that's where you make the big money a lot of times, too. I mean, that's actually not truly the case in this one, but you mm-hmm. can do some big home runs if you're telling if you're willing to take a risk. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's that same VC concept. I was know? just like, going to say yeah. that. I was going to. That's exactly what yeah. do they say, like three percent get paid back. One percent actually make them 
the big money and the rest of them fail. Yeah, it's it's the home runs they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that they uh, that offset all of those other little losses to them. But they're not using their money that they need to pay their bills. No, for that's that. true. <laughs> and I think that's so important to understand. And that's why you say, okay, maybe you devote a certain percentage to that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so probably the number one thing that we get asked about, mm-hmm. number one thing to talk about, which makes perfect sense. And um, so we're going to go into all these different things. But there's also, you have a whole training program mm, that goes yes. deep into it. And we're yeah, yeah. like, just quickly, where is that at? Yeah. Well, so to find us and to find our training program, which is available to you at no cost, right. you go to landconquest.com. That is our community of land investors. Mm-hmm. And it has our full training program in there. It's There's a tab where you can just look at the classroom tab of the community. And it's got the whole training uh, program in there. And it's not just some throwaway free course either. It's uh, something that I put a lot of effort into and our team put a lot of effort into to make it as as valuable as possible, as extensive as possible and something that's going to allow you. I mean, it's it's everything. I mean, it shows you exactly how to flip land, our entire process, everything that we do in order to flip land is in there. There's no holding back and uh, available to you at no cost. Right. So all you have to do is just sign up for an account on on our Community. Yeah, you just go to landconquest.com. It'll ask you a few questions when you when you join the community, and that's pretty much it. Right, so. and we talked about it in a lot of other episodes about why we can offer it for free. It's because we can make money on the back end. I'm sorry, I'm choking on air. And how can we, it's just so people don't get so front. choked I up, know. Heather. This is, I mean, this is a... Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm getting I, emotional. Don't, don't my, get so emotional. I'll, ex- I'll explain water. while you're drinking your water. Thank you. Yeah. So, so really, we have numerous ways that we'll still be benefiting by this. So, I know that there's always that pushback, like, oh, you know, there's always a catch. Why are they but doing it for free? That's why I like to to say that up front. Mm-hmm. Advertising some water bottle here. Yeah. Um, it's so that people understand that, like. It's, it's okay to make money. It's okay to want to make money. Mm-hmm. And we have a way to make money from this. But then there's going to be a percentage of people who will strictly just benefit from the training program without us making money. And that's cool, too. We don't care. We're that's, fine that's with that. We're too. doing fine. If it helps you fulfill your dream, become a land investor, and you never take us up on any of the offers where we, you know, that's cool. That, that's great. And, and you know what? The, the fact about the fact of it is, re- really, I, you know, this this will grow and this business will gain a lot from it. If just the people, you know, tell their friends about it. So that's kind of that's kind of their main thing. You know, like if, if you got some value from the free training that we offer, mm-hmm. then we would love it if you told your friends and and, uh, and family about it as well. And that's why the training program is so extensive and so detailed is because if we're if our success depends on your success, we're going to give you everything. Yep. Regardless if you take us up on what would make us the money, we're not going to have like a two-tier system of like, okay, well, you're not going to use our services so you get the <laughs> training program light and, yeah. you know, and the other one else gets, you know, the better one. So that's at landconquest.com. Correct. Um, and then let's get into this. I have more to add about yeah, yeah, we'll get into people, We'll get into some other things. We also, ha- we also have some really good questions that if you stayed at the oh, yeah. end. Uh, where we kind of cherry pick them from our community, some some questions that were actually asked in our community, so we answer them. It's kind of a regular, ongoing segment that we do here on the Turning Profit Podcast. So stay to the end, and we'll get into those as well. I'm looking at this. You really dumbed it down for me. Oh, okay. I, I appreciate your confidence. What? Well, that's the way my brain thinks. It's kind of dumbed down. Oh, okay. I just think in this big concepts. I know. You know what else? Happy anniversary. Oh, yes. Happy anniversary, Heather. Yesterday was our 24th anniversary. So if you're listening to this, actually, it was the week before. Yeah. A week ago was our 24th anniversary. And they said it wouldn't last, right? Yeah. And your mom said it wouldn't last? Maybe. Probably. Who else? No, I, I don't. I think she likes you more than me. So we're cool. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay. Anyway, so what is a deal and how to determine if it's worth doing? Like that is the whole, that's the big picture. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's if you all. can figure this out, if you can figure out what mm-hmm. a deal is, then everything else falls into place very easily. Right. Because then you, you, okay, you know what a deal is. I can't even hide my cheat sheet here. Sorry. That's okay. Um, you don't have to hide it. It's distracting. Mm. So, but anyway, so if you can figure out what a deal is, then you can be like, okay, this is, this works. And then you can focus on sending getting the marketing side of things. And then as long as you have a good flow of the marketing going to get these deals that you could, you know what I mean? Like this is, but it all comes down to, because you could have the marketing going great. You could be getting correspondence from people. You could be getting offers, all this kind of stuff. But if the deals all suck, it doesn't, Yeah, you're not running a business. You're running, I don't know what. Yeah. Yeah. And and unfortunately, and, and maybe a lot of land investors maybe don't talk about this, but unfortunately, a lot of the potential deals that you've got coming in, you know, you send out offers and, you know, how we do it with direct mail, you send out offers and a lot of the people that respond, you know, they don't end up turning into properties that we buy for one reason or another. Either it's the property itself we don't like, can't come together on the price, or it's just uh, just doesn't work out for one reason or another. But so it's kind of a filtering down process. You start with kind of a larger group of people and it keeps getting filtered down to the ones that you actually do deals with. And then sometimes even after you get a property under contract, you go through all your due diligence, you find something out that you don't like. And those deals don't happen because, you know, it could happen for a number of reasons. It could happen because of on-site issues. It could happen because the value is not what you thought it was. It could happen because there's a problem with the title. So there's all these things. And it's a filtering down process. And uh, But a big part of this is, is determining, like, is it a deal or isn't it a deal? Right. And not so. getting frustrated along the way because you might get really excited. A lead comes in and you're like, wow, this is going to be amazing. And then it it's gone. So, I mean, you might start with, you know, you send out 50,000 offers and then you get X amount of responses. And then of those responses, you get, you know, 5% of mm-hmm. those actually turn into something and then you lose another 2%. So you're only, you know what I mean? Right. So it's big numbers that drop right. and that's okay. And those aren't exact numbers. So don't no, go no, by no, this, don't those go numbers. that at all. Absolutely. <laughs> those no. are just an illustration. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. And also I throw random stuff like that. Up. <laughs> there should be a general disclaimer that yeah. the word I use probably might not be the word I think it is. <laughs> and that I throw up random numbers because I don't like to do math in my head, but that's how it happens. And you have to be okay with it. Yes. You, and you need to almost look at the ones that you don't buy as a, like as a blessing, <laughs> you know what I mean? But as a, it's, uh, you know, and any money that we spend before we close a deal, I don't consider that like lost money. I consider that good insurance. Yeah, it's an insurance policy. You know, we spend mm-hmm. a lot of money on our due diligence. You know, we're sending out photographers. We're spending money on our staff mm-hmm. to, to really vet these properties. And, um, you know, sometimes we find out stuff that we don't like. And it's better that we find that out then than after the fact when we actually, after we purchase a property and we find out it's got some sort of major issue, which is just going to make it so we can just get out of the property with no profit or not nearly as much profit we thought, or, you know, uh, I guess worst case scenario would be a loss. So, you know, we're, we're spending a lot of money uh, to determine that uh, on these insurance policies, mm-hmm. as you say, because it's it's better to just do that then rather than later. Do you think you're getting better at walking away quicker? I'm always pushing for that on our team. You know, we're we're not perfect for sure, mm-hmm. uh, but we try to determine that as quickly as possible. So we've set a lot of timelines that we're really trying to stick to, you know, as, as far as making that determination. Some stuff we're kind of at the mercy of other people. You know, a lot of times this is title related stuff mm-hmm. and the title companies. Obviously, we don't own the title company, so we can't 
We should buy a title company. Yes, we can't control that timeline. We, yeah, we, we should do something like and that. And an escrow <laughs> company. Yeah. Um, we have some good partners, so I shouldn't yes. say that. They're great, but... But but yeah, so we're, we're kind of mm-hmm. waiting for that final piece a lot of times, so sometimes that... I guess my question was actually, do you think you're better at like coming to the conclusion, like, no? Mm-hmm. As opposed to like, oh, maybe, you know, like... Yeah, I try, I've, I've been a lot better about being decisive. You know, when something comes back and I'm just... Even I if you don't side. know the reason, right. like there's something in you, like it, you can't pinpoint it. Yeah. I mean, I normally know. I normally know. But like if if something comes back and it's not favorable and I just look at it like I try to think like during the marketing period, is this going to be a big problem when we're going to sell it? So I try to think of it from that perspective. And if it is something that's going to be a big problem, it's not worth it because this is going to from experience. I know that those properties are going to sit forever in our inventory. We're going to have to continue to re- reduce them until the point where we're not making much of a profit. So they take a lot of our bandwidth and time, and then we ultimately don't make that much. So, and then I think about it, like, what's the point? So it's better to make a clean break at that point. Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that you can join our community for free at landconquest.com. Inside, you'll get all the resources, training, and support for building a thriving land flipping business. Once again, that's landconquest.com. All right, enjoy the rest of the show. I also want to point out something that we learned a long, long, long time ago. Maybe I've said this before, but the ones that you make the least amount of money on are the biggest pain in the butts. And can I have some of your coffee? Of course. Thanks. Only on this podcast is the co-host. Yeah. I was like, maybe the warm coffee will help me a little. Yeah. Although I can't handle this. Your jolt of energy, one sip, and I might be like, yeah, you know, it's, bouncing it's pretty high octane. Yeah, you don't even put sugar. No, I don't drink at all not these days. No so. alcohol, no sugar. I know you're boring. I was like, yeah. what could you put in here? Huh? Maybe like a supplement that I don't know. People probably pro- probably think of me as um, I don't know, uh, very boring. I guess would be the word because I don't drink at all. I'm vegan. <laughs> You don't do drugs, obviously. Do drugs. Uh, no smoking. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't I, think you're boring. Okay. But that's I mean, a, like. That's a tangent, I that's guess. That's probably a good thing that your wife doesn't think you're boring. But anyway, so yeah, there was nothing in that. It didn't help my throat. Sorry, okay. but I appreciate it. Sorry the, about that. But um, what was the, comp, like, what was the. You know, I don't even know what we were talking about. I got off on a tangent about drinking. So. <laughs> drinking it was my fault for doing that anyhow should we get into our basic criteria yeah well i wanted to get into that i wanted to talk about how um the better you get i guess my point for Mm. asking that question is that not the better you get the more that you do this the quicker you're able to be like i'm not even gonna like because in the beginning there's a scarcity mindset and the deals Mm. coming in and so you're more likely to kind of like almost um negotiate with yourself try to make something into a deal that's not yes yeah that's uh, honestly thinking back to you know, some of the first deals we've done, some of even some of the first leads that I got coming in, I can remember the specific properties. And I remember trying to look at comps and trying to determine what the property was worth. But I was really skewed. I was looking at it from a different lens. I was like, okay, I think this property is is just as good as this comp that sold for this high amount. Right. Yeah. And I was looking at it from that perspective and always kind of like trying to push the price higher to make the numbers work. But in reality, I skew towards the other side now because I've seen it so many times where I, I project a certain value. And, uh, you know, unless you're willing to sit on it forever, you know, you're probably going to have to reduce sometimes in order to, to get that that higher value. So I always skew towards the opposite side now. And I'm, I'm trying to project conservatively. If we beat those projections, great. But it also gives us room on the downside as well if things don't go perfectly. Right. Well. And I want to say, too, there's always another deal. 
It's always, that was another deal around the corner. But you know, when you're little and you want to be a big kid and you want to be an adult and then you're an adult and you're like, wow, there's a lot of, you know what I mean? It's the same kind of thing. It's like, until you figure out that there is more deals coming, you're stuck. You're, you're thinking I better make this work. I need to find a way to make this work. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing kind of as a side note that, um, I've never talked about before, and I don't even know if I mentioned this to you, but yes, I have. But I was um, like, oh, that's weird, but okay. But uh, as part of one of our programs, one of our mentorship programs, we're actually going to be offering uh, a service where we're going to be giving you confirmation on your deals or helping you review your mm. deals for you. You know, say you got a potential deal, you send it to us, uh, and we will give you our opinion on the deal as mm -hmm. well. So I just kind of tried to look at it from the perspective of like, hey, what what, what would some, be something really valuable, you know, to our students and everything. And that comes up all the time. Like, Hey, I just need some, I just need some sort of other eyes looking at this. Is this a deal? Is it, it's not a deal. Well, so. when we started doing it, that was my thing. I was like, okay, well, I know you're really good at valuation and you have been, and it would be wrong for me to say like, you are coming into this blind mm -hmm. because you've done, you know, REO short sales, all that kind of stuff. Like that's actually your strong point is valuation. But in the back of my head, I was thinking when you were getting these deals and you're like, this is going to sell for this or whatever. And I was thinking, is there someone you can run about? You know what I mean? Because it is a new, a new thing. That's actually a big benefit of the partner with Pete program too. Right. Because when you submit a deal to that, mm -hmm. and if you're not familiar with partner with Pete, that's our funding program. And that is um, essentially, you know, you submit your deal on there once you get it under contract and I'll look at me and my team will look at it. And if it's a deal, we will agree to fund that deal, meaning we'll pay for uh, everything needed to actually close that deal. And we'll use our team to handle all the research and all the due diligence and our team to do all the marketing process to, to the point where it actually resells. And then we just split the profits 50-50. So the investor brings the deal. We do everything else, including all the money. There's no downside for the investor. Well, like the investor can't lose of, any money. Exactly. It takes <laughs> so away no all risk. of the risk. Yeah. But a big part about that is that, you know, we've worked with a number of investment partners in this in this so far that they've actually got funds sitting there that they could buy the property if they want to. But what they don't have is that second set of eyeballs. Yeah. That's and like, the team to close it. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's a big part of right. it. Right. And so. some people are going to want to create this whole team. Mm -hmm. That's they're going to be like, I'm going to do that. And like awesome. Yeah. But some people are like, I want it just to be me. Yeah. And it, it's a stretch for me because I'm always the like, I want to do everything ourselves kind of thing. And to to have created this whole team. That was a stretch for me. So maybe some people will transition, but if you're like, I'm never going to want that. Like, I will never want that. This is the perfect thing for you. Mm -hmm. um, I want to, two things I want to talk about is partner with Pete, your mm. social media handles. But I also want to talk about the fact with valuation is that we have something else. Our daughter obviously has been, our oldest has been raised around real estate. That's not shocking, but she didn't have like a, any leg up on valuations. And she became your co-host of the deal uh, deal evaluation calls. What do you call that? Zoom deal evaluation okay. calls. So basically what we do on those, those that's a community thing that we've got in the um, land conquest community. So every, and normally every couple of weeks, we run a call where students submit their um, deals that they've mm -hmm. got and I'll share my screen and I'll go over those deals. I'll look at them in depth, just like I would evaluate any deal, show you my whole process and give you my opinion on what it's worth. Right. So. And just by kind of being a part of that, she's really good at valuing now. Yeah, she's really good. It's actually insanely like and pretty quick. So I think that anybody that has that tenacity for it could find value in that. So there's that free resource. And oh, then, by the way, there's all the recorded calls that, that I've ever oh, yeah. done are in there is probably... 
I don't know, 15 of those calls or so, so far, and each of them are about two hours. So you get about 30 hours of breaking down deals. If you watch every one of those, I think you'll, you'll pretty much get it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then you also have your 51st deals that we've, that you, Oh yes. Have, uh, yes. I always forget I was, about that. I know I have to, I, I should keep a running list because a lot of people are like, Oh, like on an episode, like I didn't know about that. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like I talk about it yeah, a lot. Know, but if you <laughs> go to turningprofit.com, there's a box at the top where you can sign up to put in your email to get that. But it's uh, the 51st deals that we've done in land flipping. It shows you, I break down, ex I share my mm -hmm. screen, I break down each of those, you know, like what we bought them for, what we sold it for, like everything. So you'll see our progression and how much we made on each of those deals, how long we held them for and all that kind of stuff. So, And then last little announcement before I forget is that you do have new social media handles. Yes, finally, finally. came up with the name. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's partner with Pete. Simple. Well, it was obvious. It yes. was obvious the whole entire time. I know, and, and no one took the name, so I know. I and happy. partner with Pete is all, um, you know, the program where um, investors can partner with us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's uh, that's on TikTok and Instagram, and I'm, I'm just my name, Pete Reese, on X, Twitter. <laughs> so Heather's not a big fan of Twitter, so I'm not sure I am either. But <laughs> the platform formerly known as Twitter, whatever. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so I'll skip my my disdain. Disdain, yeah. Okay. Um, and and then on the other side, we know that there's investors that want to invest. They have cash. They don't want to do the real estate part of it, but they want to invest in the real estate. Yes. So do a little shout out to that. Oh yes. Yeah, so, get asked that too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we've got a great program for people looking to invest their private funds into our deals and you just invest on a deal by deal basis and you just lend funds to, to close the deals and make a, uh, a really good return in the process. You can get all the details on that at lender.turningprofit.com. Again, that's lender.turningprofit.com. And uh, then you just fill out a little form there and then we schedule a Zoom call. We'll talk about the program. Uh, Zoom call with me and we'll just uh, have a little meeting and see if it's a good fit. So. so I know everyone, when you see the numbers and all this kind of stuff, you're like, I want to be a part of that. So we have something for everybody. And hopefully everyone's just excited about learning it themselves so they can do it. So yep. let's get into the heart of the discussion. Sure, um, let's do it, Heather. So what is the deal and how to determine if it's worth doing? Mm -hmm. So you start with setting your criteria for a deal. Yeah, so I, this is the big part of it. And I've set this criteria way back and it allows me to quickly evaluate a deal and determine if it meets kind of our benchmark. So there's always a little bit of variability and there's room for there's room for some adjustments on this, mm -hmm. but it always has been my benchmark that I'm always trying to double our money. For instance, if I buy a property for $50,000, I want to sell it for my projected resale price should be $100,000. Now, does that mean we actually double our money when it's all said and done? No, generally, because that means uh, because we still have commissions to pay. We have closing costs on both sides of the deal on the purchase and the resale. We've got expenses associated with our due diligence and things like that. But, you know, in the example of uh, buy for 50,000, sell for 100,000. Don't you want me to come up with my own math for this? That'll be like I, totally I, off base. I guess you could. <laughs> uh, there's still a, a room for a substantial mm -hmm. amount of profit there. At the end of the day, we may not be doubling our money unless we sell for higher than our projection, which happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. It happens quite a bit. But that's kind of like the minimum criteria that I set for, you know, trying to determine if I want to deal, do a deal for not. It, it's easy. It's, you could do that math in your head. You could double it and see if it's or half uh, that mm -hmm. and see if it's a deal. So, and, and the reason that we do that is because, again, we talk about taking emotion out of it. It's a numbers game. And if you have to make a decision quickly and you need a set guideline, you need that. Like, where's the cutoff if you don't? And that's not to say that you wouldn't be like, this is close enough or right. this, you know, but yeah. it's good to have this this guideline. So, you know, it's and it's measurable. Yep. 
So give yourself one. I, I think that's a good one for everyone to go with, but maybe some people would want it to be, I don't know, more conservative or more. Or more aggressive. I mean, I right. guess you could. I, I honestly, I, I think this is a good benchmark, especially when you're starting, because first of all, it gives you some room for error. As good as I feel like I am on the valuations of properties, I'm not perfect. And I know I don't know of anyone who's perfect with that. You can honestly only give your your best best shot at it. No one's going to, you're not going to know what a property is worth unless it, until it actually hits the market and the market determines what that value is. That's exactly. And people forget that if the buyer of the property at the end is who determines the, the mm-hmm. value. Yep. End of discussion. It doesn't matter. You could have an appraiser come in. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You're waiting for that person. Um, and also this we're, you know, we, we went through the whole 808 cycle. You've done a bunch of different things. And so we're more conservative than, than most people are on that. So for us, it's that room for air is super important. Yeah. Because, you know, there's always going to be things that come up and, and downside and everything. Mm-hmm. So you want to still give yourself some room on the downside and still making a profit. And, uh, you know, the market corrects quickly, or if you discover something about the property or just the, the, you know, the, the reaction to the property on the market is not what you thought it was. Uh, at least it gives you some room so you can reduce the property to find where that, that correct mm-hmm. pr- price is. Or get is. out so, of it for what, for what you paid. Right. It also gives you room for uh, the commission and closing costs, uh-huh. you know? So obviously we pay, we've, we've detailed this in other episodes of the podcast. We, we pay a substantial amount of in commissions because I feel like we're trying to work with the best people. We're trying to incentivize them to actually work hard to sell our properties. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we pay 10% commission to most of our, our brokers that we work with on the resale side, unless it's a uh, much higher dollar property. I was going to say, and we're not trying to squeeze out every penny. We don't try no. to get top dollar. No. So, I mean, you could easily say, okay, this, you know, double our money and use that high valuation, which you touched on. And we're not trying to do that. We're right. trying to move it quick. And that also protects against if market drops or or at least provides a little more mitigation. Any more on that subject? No, no, that's it. Okay. I mean, that's that's kind of the reasoning between that uh, for that benchmark that we set. So. Right. And you just need to determine that. And I would really write that down and, and stick with it. Establish your own criteria. Uh-huh. Definitely. And refer to it if you're having, oh, I don't know if I want to do this or not. Does it hit my number one rule? Does right. it hit that? If it doesn't, no. Yeah. You know, don't don't try don't to force try it. to make the numbers work. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay, now I touched on this a little bit about that we're not trying to get the highest value, right? Mm, Their yeah. highest do- dollar point. So, what? How do you determine the exit price? Like when you're going to go resell it, this is important. How do you determine that price? Yeah, it's not just about saying like, okay, I want to double my money, but like, how do you know what that? Yeah, price how do you is? determine what the, what the property's worth? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, you know, I just listed out. You know, mm-hmm. we've had other trainings and other episodes where we're talking about how to how to uh, value properties, but, and, and obviously in those zoom calls that, that you right. we mentioned earlier, those are a really great way to get in depth, but here are kind of some of the, the major criteria that you really need to keep in mind when, when kind of figuring well, this out. Well, these are the things that people get stumbled, you know, yeah. Stumbled upon. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that go into this business. So, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up over this. Uh, it's just something you can work or you can, this is a skill that you can build obviously. And the more properties you evaluate, the better you'll get at it. And the crazy part about that is that you'll kind of be like in the beginning, you might be writing down all these different values to kind of like do a, a math equation. And now you don't know. You're just looking at this in your head. You're going, OK, OK, OK. Yep. Yep. You know, yeah, exactly. just by looking at it, eyeballing it. So here's the here's the, the one major mm-hmm. thing that you really need to keep in mind. First of all, base your values off of sold comps. Now, first of all, what do comps mean? Comps are actual similar properties that have sold um recently you know generally i say within the last 12 months in most markets 
uh, that are similar to the property that you were actually buying. It's like comparable. Comparable, comps. yes. The comp stands for comparable. Comparable property. Yeah. So you want to be comparing piece of land in a suburban community in the same zip code, whatever, as opposed to a rural one that happens to be in the same community. I mean, mm-hmm. in the same zip code. Mm-hmm. Like it needs to be apples for apples. Yes. So that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Apples to apples is the biggest thing. So we do a lot of rural properties. We also do some subdivision in fill type properties as well. So with with the, you know, say for the rural properties, for instance, there's a lot of different rural type properties, even, you know, say we got a 10 acre property that we're looking at. It's completely wooded. It's pretty much untouched property, right? You're looking at comps and you're trying to determine what this property is worth. And you find one down the street really close, but it's all farmland. Right. You know, I see investors make this mistake all the time. You know, farmland gets a premium generally to woodland. So, you know, they're basing their projections off of this property that sold right down the street. It's 10 acres, same size. It's a, it's a perfect comp sold, you know, one month ago. But the problem is that it's not apples to apples. That's the biggest thing you really got to, to take into consideration. So are you talking just zoning or use? No, I'm talking about like the actual property, like use of the property is one thing, but like, what is there? Like, what is there on that property? Is it a, just a big open field of farmland or is it all trees? you know, completely overgrown that's had no improvements to it ever. You I know, think like, people get stuck on that, though, because they're thinking, well, I could just bulldoze all the trees. Well, yeah, but it's very expensive to do that. Are you looking to scale your land flipping business quickly? Well, we're happy to present our new cutting edge system built specifically for land flippers. Take a look at the Land Conquest business system today, and you'll gain full access to a customizable pre-made website, CRM, dedicated phone numbers, text automations, 24-7 support, and more. It's basically a business in the box. Go to software.landconquest.com to learn more. Right. So, and, and also that normally means that the farm one's normally flatter. Like there's topography that, that goes into that too that you don't realize. Yeah. And a lot of times the soils are different. Right. So, yes. you know, the the trees might it might be a wooded lot because people know that the soils aren't, aren't any good there yeah it just sucks or the so. water isn't you know too high or too low or not available or all these different things that's why it you've got to do the greater research than just say oh i can fix that because that's not just the yeah, case yeah i mean you could have some sort of business plan where you go in and you say okay uh i convert woodland to farmland maybe you're an expert into that and you create the value by doing that but mm-hmm. you need to be looking at it you know what it is now you know, not not what you could make it. You know, when we say that we we put stuff into it, yeah, we might be doing septics or we might be doing clearing a path, mm-hmm. but it's a completely different business model because that takes time. Now you've got to line up someone to do that. Then you have to find someone to buy the land or the, the wood, all these different things. And sometimes there's environmental factors that go into that too, zoning issues. So you're, you're starting a whole different business, but that's why it's so important right off the bat. If your job or your goal is to flip the land, it, they have to be apples to apples right this second, or you're going to be doing some crazy comparisons. And then you also need to have that money set aside to do all of your big plans. Yep. And it can work that if that's your goal. But I, I would imagine in that sense, you're going to have a segment again, that that's going to be your 20% business, mm-hmm. your longer term holds. And then you're going to have your 80% that are going to fund your 20%. Apples to apples. Mm-hmm. Other kind of examples of that would be, you know, you got to look for wetlands on the property. You yes. know, if it's like you're looking mm-hmm. at a property that's all swamp, it's probably not going to be comparable to a property that's completely dry and completely usable. Again, you know, if you're looking at a property that's on the side of a mountain, that's way different than something that's in the valley that has a nice meadow or something like that that's completely usable. So you've got all these factors to consider. So that's really the first thing you want to be looking at. You want to say, okay, 
in this kind of general acreage range, are you looking at properties that are actually pretty similar? And just always kind of use this as a guide. Like, think of yourself like walking onto these properties. Does this property look the same as the one that I'm potentially buying? You know, like, does it, is it the same? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, you know, you want to find comps that are, that are more similar. Now with land, it's really difficult in a lot of these areas to get properties that are exactly the same. Some areas are a lot easier than others, but so really take a look at that and make sure that your sold comps, not active listing, not competitive listings, your sold comps are very similar to the property that you're actually buying. Right. And then also make sure that they're not like weirdly high or weirdly low or because there's a lot of reasons for that too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's always those outliers, mm-hmm. you know. There's one that sell, sold for like $10,000 and everything else is selling for 100000 And if you really researched, it, it was like a family transfer or a Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like one of our one of our big things always is to Is that on your for, list? Did no, I, ju- I didn't oh, okay. add it to our list, but it's a really good point because I'm always looking for market sales. You know, a lot of these, um, you know, sites like Zillow and Redfin will pull in off-market sales and you pull up, you know, your list of comps and that's showing in there. And a lot of these automated valuation tools are the same thing. They're pulling in these comps that are like off-market sales, but you don't know. And a lot of these are really skewed. The values of them are really skewed and you don't know what the deal is. Did they sell it to their cousin for a special deal? Did they screw their family member over and sell it to him for way too much? Like you just don't know what the situation is. So it's better to only take kind of market MLS listed type comps and use those unless you've got some knowledge of the situation and you really understand what, mm-hmm. you know, what that comp is all about. And but. that's the other reason for having really good agents too, because you might do all of this and it might be good. And then an agent's like, yeah, it, it is great. Except for the fact that it was actually a dump 60 years ago. Yeah, yeah. The oil fields of whatever, yeah. you know, or a hog farm, a hog lagoon, hard yeah. hog lagoon. That's my favorite. That's one. not a pond. That's a hog. Lagoon. Yeah, exactly. No, but that's like, I could see myself being, oh, that, <laughs> it even has a pond on it. <laughs> what are those pretty little dot things? Beautiful pond. Uh-huh. Yeah. Don't go swimming in that one. <laughs> I think it's funny. You actually put compare apples to apples. I didn't even mm-hmm. read that when I said that. But you just got ahead of yourself, Heather. I guess yeah. so. I like also you wrote in here. That's um, you said never base your projections on other listed properties. That's a fool's errand. <laughs> a fool's errand. Thank you for that. One. I just wanted to throw that in there. Just to mess I with think me, it's I'm a funny sure. term. That's a fool's you errand. You know, then, and that's a really um, important thing to highlight here because I see this all the time too. Like, hey, you know, this would be the best price property on the market. And there's all these listed properties that are way higher. You know, the market must be shooting up right now and all this kind of stuff. And sometimes that's the case, you know, if it's a really hot market. But don't base your projections off of what is listed, because what happens is they're listed there. They're still on the market for a reason because the price too high. Uh, when when a new property comes on the market that's priced right in these hot markets, it it'll sell right away. The ones that are priced too high are still going to be sitting there and they're going to be too high and they're not going to sell. And the only ones that sell are the ones that are, are listed within an acceptable range. Well, that's so. like the old school land stuff where people would always, I've talked about this before, like the old school thing was land, you kind of bought it as speculative mm-hmm. and you would list it on there and you are waiting for that happy medium when the prices come up to hit what you've had listed for six years, or there's some sort of, you know, event that happens. So it's like these people are not valuing that land as actual today's money. They're just waiting for it to hit at some point. Maybe it's the retirement account, but that's like kind of like you see that a lot. So if you're going off of these people that don't 
are desperate to sell. Not even desperate. They don't. They're not worried about selling right now. No. That's no. Don't do that. Yeah. Sold. So be very sold. careful. Sold comps. If you can get higher than what the sold comps are projecting, that's great. That's great news. Mm-hmm. But I definitely wouldn't go to the. I, I definitely wouldn't project that. Yeah, you said it's safer to project a value consistent with the lower sold prior, uh, price mm. comps. Yeah, these days I am not th- looking at the highest kind of sold comps in that category and thinking, hey, we're going to get that amount. I always skew towards the lower side because I'm conservative. Like I don't want to I don't want to put myself in a bind and go for a deal that's either not a deal or just not going to make us any money or just waste our time because uh, that that's pointless. So I would always kind of be more conservative, go with the sort of the lower the price comps as your projection. And if you can beat it, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wouldn't gar- I wouldn't bank on that. Right. And it's called chasing it, chasing the market down mm-hmm. or chasing it down. Because the longer it's on the market, people think there's something wrong with it. They've already seen it. They might have seen it at the higher price and they're not looking at the lower price and saying, wow, look at. So you don't want to chase it down. Put it aggressively where it should be. And and at best case scenario, you get multiple offers mm-hmm. or yeah. someone offers more. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you get the price that you thought you were going to get. That's the safe price. And you make money off of your investment. Look at the history of your comps. Did they sell? Did it take numerous reductions to get it sold? You want to sell it in 60 to 90 days. Yeah, yeah. So I always look at that. You know, these sites like Zillow and Redfin are great for that. I always look at the listing history. So you can go down there and you can see, okay, when was this property actually listed? How many days was it on the market before it sold? Did they have to reduce it numerous times in order to get to that that price that's the market value? So it gives you a good idea of what the market's like there. And, um, you know, you definitely don't want to, uh, you know, if a property took 360 days to sell or something like that, and they got this really decent price, you don't want to be in that same position. You want to have a property on the market for for a year. So you're going to have to adjust your listing price in order to make sure it gets more attention and sells quicker than that comp that took a year to sell. Right. Well, the magic of this is moving your money quick. That's the whole point. Yeah. You know, that keeps it moving. That means you can kind of build up upon itself and you're not as subject to market turns. Um, Okay. I like this one too, because for subdivisions, use comps only within the subdivision if possible and not the highest ones. Better to use older comps rather than comps in other communities. Yeah. Yeah. See, I see this all the time. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of subdivision type comps or, or deals that come up. You know, if you're if you're kind of working that niche mm-hmm. now, it's really important to look at properties that have sold within that individual subdivision. These subdivisions are also different. One might be gated. One might have amenities or, you know, HOAs, they might have anything, HOAs. Yeah. They might have a boat dock. They might, you know, they might have big common areas. You know, there's just big differences. That, and it just simply might be known as the, the cooler Premier, and better yeah. place to live in that area rather than. You know, one that's uh, down the road a mile, which, you know, it's got a bad reputation for one reason. Even though they look exactly the same. Exactly. On the map, you might be saying, oh, the same size lots. This is the Mm -hmm. same. Always look for comps within that actual same subdivision. You know, a lot of times, you know, there's not a lot of land sales in these communities. So you might have to go back longer. You know, you might have to go back two years on your comps and make some sort of adjustments based off Mm -hmm. of that. But uh, the other thing that's really important in these subdivisions is to to look at competitive listings. So some of these subdivisions are, they may only be built out, you know, 10, 15, 25%, something like that, which means you've got all these vacant lots that, you know, other people have or have not built on for one reason or another. And I'm sure the great majority of them would probably like to sell if they got their price. So you've got to look at that at the active and competitive listings in that community. If there's a ton of listings 
few sales, uh, I'd really kind of be cautious about, first of all, buying in that community in right, the first place. Right. And if you did decide to buy within that community, make sure you're able to price it really aggressively, well below the other active listings that you're going to be competing with. I mean, the big thing is you don't want to be in a market that's not moving. Exactly. Even a pr- yeah. I mean, yeah, at some, po- at, at some price, some, everything will sell mm-hmm. for yeah. the most part. But that's not your like. I'm real leery of those communities like that because mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a situation where there's an oversupply of inventory and obviously the demand isn't there. You know, maybe the maybe the builder did a really good or the uh, original developer did a really good job of marketing and, and selling off those lots in the community, creating the excitement. But for one reason or another, it just hasn't taken off like like was promised. So you don't want to get stuck with that, you know, the investment that's just maybe not maybe not the best. So right. if you're going to do something like that, you got to you got to really get it for a great price. And ask yourself why have these house or why have these lots not been built up if that was mm-hmm. the whole goal. Yeah. There might be something else that's, you know, a city, I don't know, something's going on there. That that's not that's not an up and coming situation right now. Okay, so you said um if you're buying a premium property in a hot market, that's the only time I would feel good about projecting a sale at the higher end of comps. Yeah, so it kind of has to check both boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Has to be a really hot market where I know that the, there's sales happening and there's really a desperate need for inventory in that area and there's not many competitive listings. And then also, you know, it has to be a premium property in itself. Like there can't be a lot of uh, issues with it. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a really nice property that you know that everyone's going to love. That's the only time I would feel more comfortable about projecting towards a higher end in the sold comps. Okay, so. makes sense. And then if there's a lots of competitive listings in the market, you'll have to price yours cheaper than those unless it is special in some way. Yeah, yeah, we just <laughs> talked about that a little bit. Yeah. But, but Special in some way, though. And please, yeah. I, everyone thinks their ch- children are like the smartest, brightest, and whatever. Yeah, ours are, though. Right, I know, as I say. I mean, aside from our children and our dogs... <laughs> Um, you know, <laughs> that is funny. It's funny. And I, you know, it is funny because everyone thinks that their kids, their whatever are always the best. It's the same kind of concept here. Well, with I land. think that's like a, but that's like a survival thing. You need, like, if you thought your kids were like the worst or whatever, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't protect them. Like that's a, that's a, <laughs> yeah. there's some sort of internal thing, but it does, it crosses over to land. Yeah. Yours, <laughs> you will find something like, but this one, yeah. did you see the trees? Yeah. Did this you, is amazing. It's uh-huh. like, you know, it's You're right all, near the bathrooms and you know how to- right and you're like i don't want it i wouldn't want to live near the bathrooms but whatever <laughs> yeah anyhow so uh so just be very conservative about that there's a lot of competitive listings you know you've got to be buying at a price that allows you a really good profit margin and to still be really aggressive with your list price you have to buy it right you need to be prepared to aggressively price it do not fall in love with anything aside from, you know, your partner and children. Um, but, you know, it's like the most basic things, like just stick with that and don't get emotionally involved in it. And then you said, if you are going to be pricing for a quick sale, oh, wait, you are going to be pricing for a quick sale. So your estimated sale price should be in line with that. Price is your biggest lever. This depends on the market. Yeah, so uh, certain markets where they're really hot, you know, you could maybe, maybe you're pricing at 90% of what you think market value is. Mm-hmm. Certain markets where there's maybe more competitive listings or things aren't moving as fast, maybe you have to be in that 70 to 80% of, of what retail would be in order to, to sell it quickly. So you just kind of have to take that determination uh, market by market. Obviously, having a great price is going to be your biggest lever in actually moving the property quickly. Right. And your final thought was determine your own rule of thumb that will allow you to quickly make these decisions. And that is so important because you need to, that stops the emotional, that stops the, my property special. 
I could get a better prize. I could do this. I could look at the highest comps. You need to set your own rules and refer back to them until they become second nature. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I mean, it's pretty, I've, I've dumbed it down pretty much. I mean, I'm always just trying to double, you know, I'm just trying to go for a double and I'll, I'll stretch that a little bit if I think the property is special or if I think the market's really hot or something like that. Pete's but special property. But, but generally, even if the, even at the really high dollar properties, I'm, I'm not like saying, okay, I'm buying this $500,000 property and I could sell it for 700,000. I mean, yeah, you could probably make some money. You could make money on that, but you're not protected on the downside either. So I, I'm not going to go ahead with the deal like that. I think that's important it's, though. It's not just about like the, because someone might be saying, but that's $200,000, right? right. But then you've invested all $500,000. Whereas if you didn't do the, you know, that's enticing to get a $200,000 chunk. Mm -hmm. But if you took that $500,000 and you actually made sure that that money was invested into something with a, you know, a double return, that's a million dollars back. Yeah. That's 500,000. Plus if you buy for 500 and you sell for 700,000, you're not going to make $200,000. So you're, you know, by the time you have commissions, Mm -hmm. closing costs on both sides and everything like that, you'll make a hundred something, but it's not going to be. It's not going to be close to. Uh, no, and they take to longer to sell. Right, and then you have your. Um, you're more susceptible to market volatility, to outside things. You can. You you've locked up five hundred thousand dollars into something. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'd rather spread that out. Yep. Exactly. So so maybe maybe you'll have your own different criteria that you set. I'm just telling you what mine is and what's worked well for us. Uh, but set your own and and stick with it. Right. Don't start questioning yourself. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you want to get into questions? Sure. Speaking of let's question do it. yourself. That was yes. an unintentional segue. Okay. So Mike says this is from our community at landconquest.com. Okay. How to value something in the floodplain. I have a property in Lake City, Florida. That does sound like it would might have uh, some sort of water <laughs> <Lake> thing. <City. laughs> the, the owner is open to low offers, but the majority of the property is in the floodplain. I am not sure if it is suitable yet. It is in a neighborhood and the next door lot has a house on it. Not sure how to value it since the comps nearby are not in the floodplain. And then he edited to add, it is one acre. Looks like only floodplain and not wetland. Well, first thing I would try to do is I would try to find some comps that are in the floodplain now as well, you know. Uh, and see if houses are built in there. Yeah. So see if look, anyone's building in a floodplain. Yeah, yeah. Actually, actually look in that um, mm-hmm. on land ID and you could put that flood zone overlay, FEMA flood zone overlay and see, just look around, look at the satellite images, see if there's any houses that are built in that floodplain. A lot of times what you'll see is that there are, homes built in on all the lots but but the ones with the right. floodplain so this varies from area to area some areas the whole area is in the floodplain you know right. it might be in some sort of 100 or 500 year flood zone and what happens in the in a lot of those areas those might be the areas where they're building on stilts they're building on raised foundations mm-hmm. maybe they're importing some dirt to kind of raise the level of the land in that spot so there's a little mound that's outside of the flood zone see all kinds of things like that happen But keep in mind that if if you are going to buy a lot like that, it's going to be more challenging to build on. Which means it'll be harder to sell. It's going to be harder to sell. And you're going to have to discount that property because it's going to be a challenge for the ultimate end buyer and whoever's going to be building on that property. So, you know, especially a buildable, a one acre lot, something like that, where the only exit plan is to build a home on it, really. Mm -hmm. I'd be I'd be very, very cautious about that. Especially if if not all the other properties in the community have that, you know, that same floodplain thing going uh, on. As soon so. as he said he was open to lowball offers, I was like, nope, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Because that means he's probably tried. He's stuck with it. He doesn't know what to do. Yeah. So you, you either no got to get really use. cheap mm-hmm. 
or probably just best to move forward mm-hmm. with without you know because the I think the only person that might buy that would be a neighbor. So you're mm-hmm. really just brokering. Yeah, that, that'd be own. it's it'd be tough. You'd yeah. have to buy it for ultra cheap and probably sell it for ultra cheap. Mm-hmm. And is it worth your time? I don't I don't know what the values are in Lake City, Florida or whatever, but, you know, might be better deals out there. That's kind of what I, my thinking is like, let's not get into the scarcity mindset. Let's find something else. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you got to take it, do the research up until the point when you have enough to make the decision. Right. Uh, Michelle says, capital. Hello, all. I'm excited to be here. I'm just getting started. I already had an LLC, so I've applied for an official DBA so I can operate under a name geared towards land. I have about 5K in capital to get started at this point. Is that enough or should I wait until I have more startup cash? I would like to get proof of concept before I borrow. Even just a couple of deals. Any money would made would go right back into the business for the first two months. Any advice on getting started with this much or should I hold off and work extra shifts until I save more? I'm scared to mail and have to pass on good deals because I'm out of money. Thanks to all. Michelle, don't worry. We've got you. Yeah, there's no reason to pass up a, um, on a good deal because you don't have money to actually close on. In fact, I would not uh, consider that uh, any sort of obstacle at all because if it's a good deal, I will definitely fund the deal and we can then just split split the profits. We'll take care of all that stuff. So I would really focus your efforts and your money and your, your pool of uh, investment startup capital into the marketing and getting deals coming in. Do you have a great deal under contract? We'll submit it to partnerwithpete.com. The Partner with Pete program is a deal funding program where we will actually use our funds to complete the purchase of the property. We will do every other step of the process, including the due diligence, the transaction side, the marketing side, and the transaction on the resale side. And when all the dust settles, we will split the profits 50-50. There is no downside for you as an investor, only upside. So once again, go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and let's get it funded. Now, with $5,000, you are probably, that puts you at about, I don't know, maybe 8,000, you know, letters that you could send out, you know, offer letters you could send out if you devote that whole amount towards that. In order to, to maximize that, what I would do is I would really, really refine your list. I don't go this far in refining our list because mm-hmm. we send out a lot of volume and we're still getting deals. That, but if I was solely concerned about maximizing the the list and how many deals I got from a particular mailer, then I would I would put a lot of effort into whittling down that list and making sure it's as targeted as possible. Some things you could do in order to make that happen, you could be sending to out-of-area owners only. You could be sending to people that have owned the property for 20 years or more, you could be sending to tax delinquent lists, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can stack all these things up on top of each other. Right. You know, really dwindle. I like that idea of that's, that's the smartest use for the money. Mm -hmm. Getting that list down as specific as possible so that every single person you're sending to, you have a shot. Yeah. Kind of. Right. Exactly. I wouldn't hold off and wait till, you know, a better time because there's no time like the present. And I think you're going to learn a lot. And I think, I think you could get some some good deals out of that if you put a lot of effort into refining that list and get, getting a really good mm-hmm. list. And then uh, you'll have leads starting to come in. And then it's just a matter of getting those deals locked up. And then obviously you can submit them to partner with Pete and we would be happy to fund those deals for you. Yeah. So. And if you're just starting like that, I would go, I would watch all those videos on, on 51st deals, all of those calls that you did. Like, I think that would be imperative to do mm-hmm. uh, just because you're going to, you need to have all that knowledge to make sure that list is as tight as possible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, if you submit it to partner with Pete and mm-hmm. we say it's 
we don't think it's a deal, then, you know, I would caution you about doing that deal on your own, you know? So right. we're, I mean, we're going forward with every, every possible, everything that we think is an actual deal, mm-hmm. we move forward with. And we're, and if we're saying that it's not a deal, you know, I might be a little cautious about like still deciding you're going to do that. Deal right. Yourself, so you have that so. safety net then too, mm-hmm. someone else yeah. giving you that. And, um, there's a lot of value in losing money too, mm-hmm. yeah. as you're learning, because then you're going to, you're going to gear yourself up for the better deals and mm-hmm. you won't lose in the big picture. Okay. Um, so Asan says mailing schedule through holidays. This is a good question. Curious about how the group is going to handle adjust to mail marketing strategies through the holidays. Uh, he says, you know, one, some are shifting more towards texting Two, others may reduce volume a little between November and December, 15 to 50% less. Third camp is going to continue with almost no change to take advantage of less competition for other, are there other things? What strategy are you implementing? Okay. Well, my thing is that this is, this has always been the case with investment real estate. This is the best time of the year to buy. Why? Because everyone's preoccupied with other things and a lot of investors are thinking that way and they're kind of cutting back their marketing, they're, they're cutting back every, everything. And that's really the time to hit the gas, in my opinion. If you're asking for my opinion, that's the time to hit the gas and I wouldn't cut back in your marketing. I would consider increasing it during mm-hmm. that time. And I think some people are like, I could use that money for other things. New Year's resolutions, they're like, this year I'm going to vacation or I'm going to spend this money on this lot's sitting there and I don't really need it. And I'm going to, I want this money so then I can buy extra gifts. You'd be surprised. But the other thing too, is if you stop, then you've lost all that momentum. Yeah. And you know, mailing during this time, you know, it's not like the deals are going to happen this month and everything like that. Right. So you're, you're mailing for what's going to happen a few months down the road, basically. We're in October. We could be talking January at mm-hmm. some point. Yeah, Hopefully exactly. not, but like that's when it would, you know, yeah, so I would be really, really cautious about dialing back your marketing during this time of the year because- like I said, it's the best time to buy. And another thing that happens a lot is you're outreaching to a lot of people who, you know, may only see their family once a year and they may be, oh, yeah. you know, they may be That's owners with family members on a particular piece of property that they inherited or whatever. And it's a good time for them to bring up that discussion of like, hey, should we just sell this thing? Mm-hmm. You know, I got an offer. Let's, should we just move it? You know, so I think that happens a lot. Maybe it's just me kind of like um, justifying mm-hmm you know, a reason to, to really kick up our marketing at this time. But I don't know. I've, I've always gotten great deals this time of the year. Yeah. So. And also not, not everyone celebrates, you know, the same holidays. So it's not, you know, it's not like a high seller, a uh, high holiday for a lot of people as it is for some people. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a good one. I like though, that they're all together and they're thinking about it. And also it could just be like, I'm making changes this year and I don't have to pay for this again. Yeah. Okay. One more question. Let's uh, do real it. Quicker. One more. Um, Kirsten says fire damage land. I don't think we've talked about this before. It's, an interesting, it's been a while if we have. Right. So. Yeah. I'm considering buying land, 18 acres with a forest that burned down in 2020. It did not have any structures on it. So there will, will be no contamination. Has anyone bought such a parcel and has any advice for me? The land is in Butte County, California. Maybe I should also mention that the property is pretty steep, but the seller said that there are at least two building spots. Does anyone know how much the clearing uh, the clearance of bu- burned trees usually costs? Maybe I should clear out a part of the land. Interesting though. We go yeah. ahead. Yeah. So actually mm-hmm. I, uh, I've mailed, um, uh, Butte County before. Butte County. Uh, yes. And unfortunately I mailed it at a, at a point where it was just like. Right after the fire. Yeah. Right, right after or a big, but not intentionally. Like no. I, I sent the mail out and then there was a fire or something like that. Anyhow, yeah. So that area is, um, it's kind of known for, you know, big, you know, wildfires. Big and butts like, and I cannot yeah, lie. Yeah, <laughs> wildfires. <laughs> but I ended up buying a property. You know, I, 
I was really upset after I sent it because I was thinking, oh, everyone's going to think I'm some sort of vulture, like trying to pick up these deals, you know, like right after this fire came through. But no one even really mentioned anything like that. No, it like had that. been initiated beforehand because I yeah. remember thinking that like. Yeah. Or maybe I sent it and I didn't realize there was yeah, a fire. Was I don't know what this the situation was. But, but no one said anything and no one cared. N- yeah, no one cared. But anyhow, so I ran into a lot of properties that were like mm-hmm. that. Um, first of all, they they do look bad. So, you know, you've got large trees, especially if they're not clean up. They've got large trees that looks like some sort of creepy petrified forest type thing. They're all black. And the you trees know. can be unstable, too. That's another issue. Right. So, And the whole area is kind of like that. And so it's a concern. So you're going to have buyers that are, first of all, buyers are uh, very skeptical about buying in an area that has been burned before. So you got to be really cautious there. Um, other things that kind of um are to consideration by now they probably should be it should be kind of green enough so if you did cut down those trees and everything like that you could probably clean it up it's probably going to be a little bit expensive i'm sure there are a lot of services that have are kind of working that area to clean up a lot of this fire damage and everything so but uh the big thing about that area and i know we had a bunch of um, rain and everything this past Mm -hmm. season is that the water water Mm -hmm. availability they've got a, a big reservoir there and uh, they put restrictions on putting wells in that area. I don't know if that's been lifted or not, so check into that. So all that being said is that you should probably make sure that you buy the property pretty cheap, cheap if you're going to do that. So there's a number of challenges for sure. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know that I'd completely dismiss it off the list, you know, as uh, buying that you know, property there, but I'd, I'd just be a little bit more conservative for sure. Right. And then getting into the, it's steep, but it's got two building spots. I'd want to make sure that there's how ho- there's houses around there. Like you're not in the middle of nowhere that no one's building and that what is expected of the area where there's the slopes, but the buildings, you know, that everyone doesn't have these like great big flat lands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a kind of a beautiful area. I've never been mm-hmm. there, but, you know, seeing all the photos and everything, uh, especially before it burned. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure at one point it's going to it's going to get back there, especially if we continue to have uh, decent rains like we're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's right now it's it's the area is struggling for a number of reasons. So, yeah. And are, are things selling like I guess go back through all the other mm-hmm. stuff. Make sure it checks all the other boxes. And then get to that. Yeah. Anyways, um, so I think thank you everyone for the questions. If you want to ask questions in the group, we try to pull out some. Yeah. Um, every week, we talked about you have a new social media handle. Yes, partner with partner Pete. with Pete. Yes. I'm super excited about that because I feel like we're yeah we f- figured it out. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm it's a lovely life, but okay. I don't share any real estate stuff. No. Just an no hour a week here stuff. to harass you. <laughs> And follow us or find us on um, YouTube. What is where is yeah, that? Yeah, it's at Turning Profit. So just the at symbol and Turning Profit, and you'll mm-hmm. find us on there. On YouTube, by the way, we're uh, starting a regular segment where we're doing interviews yeah. with some of our students, uh, partner with Pete, uh, kind of success stories. So we've got another one releasing. Oh, actually, by the time this is out, you'll already see that on our channel. Our channel. So we're going to be trying to release a new one of those every Thursday. Podcast release every Tuesday. And if you're interested and you're thinking, well, maybe I'd have Pete fund them. That's a great way to understand the program more. Yes. And see real people that have used it and the success that they've had. 
Yeah. And I think we covered most of the other stuff. I mean, the you big know, things, one thing you did, you did forget to mention Heather, is my income reports. Oh, I, and I'm normally pretty good about this. And those are also really big. If you want to see, it's how I've gotten Pete into so many different businesses, showing him potential. He needs to see like, okay, so then when we started doing this, he's like, I should create these so other people, you know, that think the same way can see it. And, and they actually show the income you've made. Yeah. Every, every month uh-huh. I break down what w- income we've made that month, the gross profit that month, every single deal that we did, like we, what we bought it for, what we sold it for, profit we made on that deal, how many days we held it for, notes about those properties. What worked, so. what didn't work. You're exactly. brutally honest with yourself there. Yes. I'm, I'm really honest with myself and with others right. oh. as well. So I just try to make them as valuable as possible. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, it's a lot of effort goes into those. So I'd love it if you checked them out. So. Okay. Well, um, if you haven't already, please subscribe. If you're on YouTube, we would love if you wanted to leave a, what is it? Five-star review on yeah. podcast. Uh, just review Pete. He's five-star. <laughs> And if you can't give us a, a top review, then don't bother leaving one. Email Pete directly. Yeah. No, but we'll be back next week. Yes, my email is Heather at yeah. Horrible. <laughs> Horrible. Um, anyways, we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us. All right. Thanks. Okay, bye. Bye. Ready to start turning profit yourself? Head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game. See you on the next episode.